Welcome to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. There are two passages of Scripture that I, I want to share with you. The main Scripture is, is in, uh, would you kind of put that behind your back there for me? Thank you. It's in Mark chapter 1 and, and verse 15. And in this passage of Scripture, and I think they're going to put that on the screen for us. Read it out loud with me if you would. And saying the appointed period of time is fulfilled, completed, and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent, have a change of mind which issues in regret for past sins and in change of conduct for the better, and believe, trust in, rely on, and adhere to the good news, the gospel. Then there's one other passage, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 5. Read it out loud with me. And have felt the, how good the word of God is and how the mighty powers of the age and world to come. I, I ended it there because I, I wanted you to see what is written there. And in the Greek language, it makes it more clear. It says, the world to come has overlapped into our world. Heaven has come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ when he introduced the kingdom, the kingdom of God. And in the overlap of the two is where the kingdom of God gets manifested. Anywhere the kingdom of God gets manifested, there are miracles, signs, and wonders. It depends on the light that is in the world. You have to drive out the darkness in order to bring the light. The kingdom only gets manifested in the light. When the kingdom comes, everything gets lit up. That's God's promise to us. So I want to talk to you about the highest life. Our highest life is our kingdom life. Father, as we share together today, let the word of God go forth in power. Let the hearts and the lives and the minds of the people be instructed according to your word. Let them know the mind of the spirit of the almighty God. Let them hear your voice speaking to them today. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name and amen. God bless you and you may be seated. I like good writers, I like people who see the times that we're living in, the culture in which we're living in, and they're able to discern the moments that we're living in, and then write something very beautiful about them. Irma Bombeck was an incredible writer, and she wrote things that were so commonsensical that you always appreciated what she had to say. She said many, many things, but I love this quote that she gives to us. People are going crazy because there is no stability here in our lives. There is no anchor. There is no center. People don't seem to have anything to hang on to and believe in anymore. People are really confused, and they have lost their way. And she wrote that about four decades ago, but I would say to you, you probably could say that's happening today. You look around us at the world in which we're living. You look at the culture in which we are living in today, and sometimes you just have to shake your head, and pardon my street language, at the stupidity of some people. In the beginning, God created man and woman. It's right there in the book of Genesis. Male and female, the Bible said, created he them, and he plumbed them differently so you could know which one was which. Hello? Two genders, if you will, male and female. But look at our world today. We're living in a world of confusion. People are running to and fro, as the book 
of Daniel tells us. They're all over the place. People don't know what they believe anymore. And even listen to this. We've become such church people sometimes. We've lost sight of the kingdom. And the kingdom is the basis of everything God is doing in the world. And the Bible says two things to us about the kingdom. It says you can pray on a daily basis and seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. And you can pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on the earth. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the one who's giving that instructions. And so if you just stop and think about it, what God really wants us to do is to pray for a manifestation of the kingdom of Almighty God on a continuing basis. So what's the difference with a church attitude and a kingdom attitude? Well, a church sometimes becomes an institution. But you see, sometimes churches run by men, but the kingdom of God is always run by the power of the Holy Spirit. I call him the chief executive officer of the kingdom of God. He determines what goes on in the kingdom. And what we need is a manifestation of the kingdom of God. Someone has well said that we are running around here on the earth so immersed in living our lives on a day-by-day basis that most have forgotten what life is for. And so we've come to the place that we just we live just to live. We survive. We try to get along. We try to get by. We live sometimes in the past, and that's one of the worst things that we can choose to do. God is so intelligent. He's so smart. He's so ingenious that he devised and designed life to be lived on a today. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. It doesn't say yesterday. It doesn't say tomorrow. It says today. And God devised the creation, designed it, so that you, got, you and I could see an example of how the kingdom operates. So tonight, at midnight, Sunday will end. It'll be over. And when you get right to midnight and that secondhand ticks past midnight, you're into Monday. There is no such thing as living on a yesterday. There's no such thing as living on a tomorrow. You only live on a today. And God was sending a loud and clear message. Let the day die. Because you can't change yesterday. You can't fix yesterday. All you can do is get up today and give it all the energy you got from the one night of sleep you got last night. And you live today and let God take care of today. And here is God telling us in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, today has sufficient challenges of its own. Don't bring yesterday's challenges into the day and don't bring tomorrow's challenges into today. Just live today. And, and watch God work and watch God move. So at some point in life, you understand that life ends in death. That happened for me on August the 18th, 2020 at 4.05 a.m. at Toledo Hospital when I watched my wife take her last breath and there was no more breathing and there was no more heartbeat and life was over. And I stood there stunned I didn't expect that she would leave. I didn't expect her to die, but she did. She left. She went to heaven. Uh, for days, I was in a fog. I, actually, it didn't just last days. It was weeks. It was months. Psychology did not help me. The five phases of grief did not help me. I had to run to the Bible. I had to run to the living word. I had to say, God, what, what about this grief thing? Because, you see, I didn't know how to grieve. Everybody was telling me how to grieve and how to get on with my life, but I didn't want to get on with my life. I didn't want to get on with life without Shirley. 
And I even prayed to God, and I know it'll sound silly to some people, but I tried to swap my life for hers. I begged God, let me die, let her live. She's more needed than I am. The kids need her more. The grandkids need her more. But then I was faced with the aspect of grieving. I hate grief. We were not made to grieve. God made us to live life. Actually, Jesus himself tells us in John chapter 10, I will come and give you abundant life. Sometimes we forget about that in the challenges of our day. We have ups and we have downs. We have dark places. We have valleys that we go through. Death comes. Sickness comes, like my brother that he was praying for earlier. COVID comes and other viruses, cancer, and all these things. And so sometimes you, you just have to stop and ask yourself, where is this abundant life? What happened to this life of victory that Jesus won on the cross when he took upon himself our sins, our sicknesses, and our diseases? Where is that victorious life? And why isn't that victorious life being lived out inside of us? Just think about your life right now today. If I went around the room, I promise you just about every person in here could tell me some challenge you have today. We have those challenges because God is trying his best to birth his kingdom through our challenge. In every single challenge of your life, God has an answer. Listen to this. When he was hanging on the cross, he took upon himself not only our sins, sicknesses, and diseases, but while he was hanging there, he took on all the prayers that we would ever pray because he knows everything. And he knew the prayers that you would pray. He knew the life you were going to live. Way back in Psalms chapter 139, before the sperm ever met the egg and you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you and wrote a book about your life. He is not surprised by anything that comes your way. And not only is he not surprised, he already has an answer. And so here's what I would suggest to you. Kingdom living says this. We must pray from a standpoint of victory, not defeat. We must not go to God wringing our hands because of the situation and the circumstance, but we must pray from a standpoint of victory. Let's go a little further. We must worship from a standpoint of victory. And as our soul worships him and, and we enter into worship, God begins to pour his life inside of us. And then what do we become? We become a manifestation of God on the earth so that people can actually see the kingdom of the almighty God. Kingdom life is the highest possible life you can live. There is no possibility of living higher than living in the kingdom. So the good news of the kingdom message is that all of God's power, everything God is, everything he came to do is available right now to break into our mundane, sometimes monotonous Christian living and just absolutely fill us with his life, his energy, and his revelation. It's always waiting to do that. Instead of ever hanging our head because of a challenge, because of a situation, we got to lift up our hands and exalt the Lord because God's about to speak, God's about to do something. There can't be a challenge for which God doesn't have an answer. So whatever comes your way, guess what? God has an answer for that. He's going to do something. He's going to speak. you got to be ready for the revelation. And you're going to go to a new level with God. Every time you have a trial, you may get knocked down, but guess what? He's going to pick you back up. And when he picks you back up, you won't just come back up to where you were. You'll take a step higher. You'll live the highest life. You'll be more victorious than you've ever been. Come on, let's give God a praise for that. According to the Word of God, the supreme purpose of our life is twofold. 
He says, I want you to know me. I want you to come to know me. And I want you to come to the place that you understand that you are known by me. God said, I want you to know me, but I want you to know that I know you. When we pick up on the word know, it starts out in the book of Genesis, and it's right back there in the very opening relationship, Adam and Eve. And the Bible says Adam knew his wife. So let's just be clear about this. He had sexual relationships with her. He became one with her, and that's what the word to know means. It's the same word that Jesus used over in the New Testament. You shall know the truth and listen to the actual translation, knowing or becoming one with the truth, you shall be free. When you become one with the truth of God, you shall be free. When, and, and, and there's a huge difference between believing something and accepting something. You see, there are a lot of things you believe that you don't accept. And, and that's okay on the negative side of things. That, that, that's good. You can know something that's really bad, but you just don't accept that's the way it's going to be. And that's okay. But, but sometimes we don't take it far enough. You can believe something without accepting something. I remember years ago when I was wrestling with a, a very difficult situation, I was praying to God for an answer, and I was asking God to help me because my, my two children, my son Darren and my daughter Melanie, whom we love very deeply, Shirley and I, and I love them very deeply. And, and, and Melanie, um, actually Darren is at fault here. He took her to Australia to travel with him and his singing group, and she met her husband there. Met the guy that was going to be her husband. I'm sorry. I should say it that way. And so when she came home, she said to me, I've met this person, and I think he's my husband. I think he's going to be my husband. And I said to her, who is he, and where is he from? She told me, from New, New Zealand. I said, well, that's impossible. Because you have to marry somebody from America. Are you kidding me? Preferably Toledo. And so I got on my knees, and I began to pray, and I said to God, how can this be? I didn't raise up my son and daughter to live. I didn't raise up my daughter to live halfway around the world. It took 21 hours to get there. I didn't raise up my daughter to live halfway around the world and to be married to a foreigner. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I don't have foreigners. I have sons and daughters. And I was complaining to God. I was mouthing my complaints. Just not right. Shirley and I are left here in holy Toledo, which is actually unholy Toledo. How can this be? And I was crying, and I was laying in the floor of my office. And I got real quiet, and I heard in my spirit these words. What you accept, you will no longer be challenged to change. And I had to say, what? You know, sometimes God startles you. You're expecting God to speak, and when he speaks, you're like, is that God? I said, what? He said, what you accept, you'll no longer be challenged to change. If you accept the fact that you're only going to see your daughter about four or five times a year, six times, and then it'll drop down to three or four, and then it'll drop down to two or three, and then it'll drop down to one or two, then that's the way it'll be. But if you challenge that, you see, you can change it. What you accept, you'll no longer be challenged to change. So I got up and I called my son and my daughter, and my son was not married at the time, and I said, listen, this is the way, this is the way it's going to be. And you know, sometimes as a parent, you can decree things. That doesn't mean they'll come to pass. 
but you can still decree things. Hello, somebody. And, and, and so I said to them, well, look, we're going to come together five times a year. Shirley and I will come to where you are two times. Two times you'll come to where, and then the fifth time we'll meet somewhere. And we did that for several years. But I refused to accept what had been dished out as a decree I felt against us. And I said, I'm going to challenge that. And that's what God expects us to do. He expects us to challenge things by the word and to live in victory. Say it out loud, live in victory. Look at your neighbor and say he wants us to live in victory. So let me point you to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, 10, and verse 33. All right, let's read out loud together, everybody. Pray like this. You know, you're the, you're the, you're the softest talking people I've ever preached to in my life. So take a deep breath and let's do this together. Would you pray like this? Our beloved Father dwelling in the heavenly realms, May the glory of your name be the center on which our lives stop right there. Does your life turn on him? Is your life based on him? May you be the center upon which our lives turn. Let's read on. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. Let's go to verse 33, same chapter. So above all, constantly chase after the So immediately here's two things that we know. When you come to pray, I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray to the heavenly Father and seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And secondly, I want you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At 4.05 a.m. on August the 18th, 2020, I didn't like God's will. I'm human. I didn't get mad at God. I'm, I'm, I'm a little brighter than that. I'm a little more intelligent than that. I didn't yell at God. I didn't scream at God. But I told God I don't like it that my wife didn't get healed and I don't understand it and as long as I live on the earth I will not understand it I will never get over it but somehow with the mercy of God I'll get through it so every day when I pray I pray these two things I come through the covenant blood of Jesus Christ at the cross and I go to the Father like he told me and he said, I want you to go to the Father in my name and ask what you will. And that's what I do. And I pray, O oh Lord God, I am seeking first today your kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord, I pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then I get into this country we live in and I start speaking the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood covenant, the last covenant. And, and, and I speak the blood of Jesus against the spirit of the Antichrist that's at work in this world right now. And especially in this country. And, and, and I think, I think, I think, I think the Antichrist in this nation is centered somewhere around Washington, D.C. I, I mean, I, I'm not a political person and I'm not a politician and, and I'm not here to talk against any political party, but I just think, my goodness, it looks like the spirit of the Antichrist is hovering over Washington, D.C. It scares me when I see what's going on. 
And I go and I pray to God and I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I pray, oh God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that out of my heart and I cry for this nation. I cry for the nation my grandchildren are going to inherit, my great-grandchildren. And listen, I think it's about time that you and I as kingdom-minded people rose up and took our church and our kingdom back for Jesus Christ. In all of my life, I've never told anybody how to vote. I've never gone to the pulpit and railed against any political party because I don't believe in that. But I do vote according to the principles of the Word of God. I try to see what God says in His Word, and I'll never vote for a candidate that openly defies the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, the red-letter teachings of Jesus Christ, because that's our Constitution, you see. That's how He taught us to live. So the righteousness that proceeds from Him is supposed to cover us in such a way that it gives us access to the Father. I think what has happened to us is that sometimes we forget that we are eternal creatures. We live with a spirit of eternity in our hearts. I want you to hear this because it's important. Over in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, the wise man, the man who had such incredible wisdom that people came from thousands of miles to hear his words. It says, God has placed eternity in our hearts. He has placed eternity in our hearts. And for years, I would read that verse, and I would say to God, I don't really understand what you're saying. I need to grasp and understand this. I think that we have lost the sense of eternal living while we're here. A piece of eternity is in our hearts. Where did it start? So once again, let's go back to the book of Genesis. I love Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. I think it's the only two chapters God intended to write, and then man sinned. And he had to write the rest of the Bible to redeem us. But in Genesis 1 and 2, he lays out his plan for us. And the Bible says he constructed, he made a mud man and stretched him out on the ground. And he called him Adam, and there was no life in Adam. He was just dirt. 110, 115 molecules coming out of the dirt, whatever it is. And, and he, he had no life in him. And, and then the Bible says, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Not a breath, the breath. And that breath was God's breath. And he breathed the breath of life into Adam. And in that moment, listen to this, according to Leviticus... Life is in the blood. A blood transfusion took place. And God put blood into Adam and caused his body to begin to make blood. And Adam stood upon his feet and he was alive. His soul was alive. His mind, his will, his emotions were alive. His spirit was alive. I am spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body, just like Adam. And way back there in the beginning, God put a piece of himself inside of Adam. I call it a GPS a God positioning system. Because you see, it doesn't matter where you are, God can locate you. He can come right to where you are. He can come right in the middle of your circumstance and bring the light and the breath of heaven to you. A God positioning system. And so that spirit of eternity came from Almighty God. He put a piece of himself inside of us. And that piece of God is still inside of us and it's passed down from Adam. We all came from Adam. I love that old country English. We be one because we are. 
We all came from Adam. We all have the life of God on the inside of us. So what does eternity really refer to? It refers to the future. And so God put a sense inside of us that then becomes a longing, if you will. As long as you're alive on this earth, there is a longing from the depth of your being until you know him that something is missing. And people will go to all kinds of lengths. They'll make all kinds of choices and decisions to fulfill the desire deep inside of them, which is for God, which they don't understand. And so what do they do? They go after money. They go after power. They go after position. They go after alcohol. They go after drugs. They'll go after sexual immorality, sexual perversion. They'll go after all of those things and then end up with the longing for God still down inside of them. Still crying out for God. Where is this thing I need to fulfill myself? A longing, a sense of eternity, an innate knowledge that there is far more than we are experiencing right now at this moment. Like if, if I were to ask you, I'm not asking you, so you don't have to do this, but, but if I were to ask you, how many of you at this precise moment I won't tell you what time it is because you'll be thinking I'm pretty soon going to be through and I don't want to disrupt your thinking. But at this precise moment, you are fulfilled. You have everything you've ever wanted in life. I dare say there'll be few people that could lift their hands. You see, I've never run into that person yet. I'm not there yet. Because God put inside of me a longing for him and a thirsting for him. And the more I know him, the more I want to know him. And I'm not talking about knowing about him. I'm talking about being one with him. Because you see, the spirit of oneness permeates the universe. And oneness means I am in Christ and Christ is in me. That's why it relates to marriage. You are in your spouse and your spouse is in you. That's how this comes together, this principle of oneness. And it happens with the spirit of eternity inside of us. And, and every now and then you get to thinking about it. As good as life is, as wonderful as things are in your life, and you have the toys, you have the house, you have the, you have the car, you have, you have that boat, you can go fishing, you can play golf. Well, I don't know if we want to play a lot of golf because a lot of guys lose their sanctification on the golf course, but you can kind of do whatever you want to do, you know. But still there's this sense that there's something more. Are you listening? There's something more. What's that something more? Here's what I believe it is. I believe it is the fullest and the highest manifestation of the kingdom of God available to us on the earth. Because you see, anything that is totally surrendered and submitted to the Lord God Almighty, controlled by Him, that you've put into His hands and taken your hands off of, that's where you will find a manifestation of the kingdom of God. When you just take your hands off, you go to the altar, you place it there, you leave it there, and you walk away. Eternity is inside of us. So church and Christian living, coming to church, singing songs, like we are this morning, 10 a.m. service, out at about 11.15, 11.30, 11.45, Praying that God will show up. Praying that suddenly miracles will begin to take place in the house. People will begin to get saved, come under conviction. 
That's why we gather. That's why we come together. But after a while, that really does get monotonous. And why is that? Because you see that something missing sometimes is a manifestation of the kingdom of the Almighty God. When God shows up, when God shows up, we step back. Because you see, when God shows up, you don't have anything to say. Go through the Bible and look and see. Every time God showed up in the Bible, men got quiet. Go to the book of Revelations and look at the Apostle John, and God shows up. And what does John do? He fell as though he were dead at the feet of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Because you see, when God shows up, I really don't have anything to say. That's a moment when I just recognize who he is. I speak his name. We are, according to Genesis chapter 1, we, us, are collectively to rule over all living things on the earth, animal and plant. We are responsible to God for life on the earth. This is our human job description in the kingdom. Read it out loud with me. Put your name in there. I am to collectively rule over all living things on earth, animal and plant. I am responsible before God for life on earth. You should be able to say that. You should be able to manifest the kingdom anywhere you are at any given time. You should be able to touch heaven at any given time. And you're not supposed to cause miracles. You're supposed to create an atmosphere so miracles can take place. And when you do that, you say, come on, give God a praise. When you do that, God begins to move and show up. So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 and verse 5. God created us to function best, our highest life, in an interactive, personal, intimate relationship of interactive responsibility with Him. Join together with Him. Join heirs together with Him. So let's read this one more time. Once people have seen the light, gotten a taste of heaven, and been part of the work of the Holy Spirit, once they've personally experienced the sure goodness of God's Word and the powers breaking in on us. So grab hold of this for a moment. What this is saying, and I checked this out with Dr. French Arrington. He's about 88 years of age now, but he's one of the sharpest Greek minds in the world. He's one of the leading Greek scholars in the world. He reads out of his Greek New Testament. He knows every word in the New Testament, in the Greek language, the definition of it, how it's used. And he was a mentor to me, and he helped me. And I said to French Arrington one day, Dr. Arrington, I should call him out of respect. I said, Dr. Arrington, explain this to me. He said, sure. He said, the world has had an overlap of the kingdom of heaven since Jesus came. He released the kingdom. Listen to Jesus' own words. I have come to confer upon you a kingdom. Let that just soak in for a moment. I've come to confer upon you a kingdom. There's six things about the kingdom that are very interested in the New Testament. I'm going to run through these really quickly with you, and maybe you can study them on your own later. You can be near the kingdom. You can be close to the kingdom. This is what Jesus himself said. In Luke chapter 10, verse 9, Heal the sick in the towns that you go to, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come close 
to you. Number two, you can see the kingdom. John chapter 3 and verse 3. Unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Number three, you can enter the kingdom. Unless, John 3 and 5, a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Number four, you can receive the kingdom. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to make a deposit of the kingdom within you. Number five, you can possess the kingdom. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault and violent people seize it by force. I, I, I was privileged to know a great man. If, if I call his name, you'll know who he is, but I'm not going to call his name because I don't want to drop a name. But I was privileged to get to know him. He was one of my mentors, and I, I loved him deeply. He was, he was ever much a theologian. And one day we were in a meeting to talk about world evangelism, and he said something that really gripped my soul about this verse, Matthew 11 and 12. It was so phenomenal, it, it shook me to the core of my being. He said, quite frankly, I think that many times this verse is mistranslated. Kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. He said, actually, if you look at the word violence and force, it's the word bios in the Greek from which we get our word biology or the science of life. And he said, what should have been written there and what needs to be said there is that the kingdom of God comes with such force into the world it's like a violent tempest blast when it shows up. And it usurps authority in those areas. And if you want to see a picture of this, get your bike out. You should all have a bike, right? In the south, you have bikes. Everybody rides a bike down here for exercise, right? I'm just trying to help you. I'm just, just humbly suggesting here. But, but you ride down the sidewalk, and boom, you come across a, a, a four-foot piece of concrete sidewalk, and a root has grown under it and pushed it up about two or three inches, and boom, you hit that, and it's a bump. If you're not watching when you walk, you trip over it. Ever, anybody ever seen that? Well, what caused that to rise? Often it is because a root from a tree grew under the four-foot slab which weighs hundreds of pounds and the root probably weighs less than a pound and as it grew, the life inside of it pushed the concrete up. That's what the kingdom does. When the kingdom is manifested, it comes with such force that it's overwhelming and it overwhelms the darkness. And so not only, not only does the kingdom of God come to be possessed, you can possess. But the last thing is, you can be possessed by the kingdom. Now, I want to warn you here, when you get possessed by the kingdom, people are going to look at you funny because you're going to start praying for miracles, signs, and wonders because you believe that's what's in the kingdom. I do. That's what the Bible says. And I think every time we come together, somebody ought to get a miracle. Somebody ought to get a word of wisdom. Somebody ought to get a word of knowledge. Somebody ought to be saved. Somebody ought to be healed. Somebody ought to be delivered. I mean, that's a whole reason we come to church to kick the devil's butt and declare that the day of the Lord is here and we believe the word of the living God. Come on, somebody praise him. Three last things, and I... We'll promise to try to stop. 
three things that Jesus did when he was on earth to show us the kingdom. Number one, he proclaimed the availability of the kingdom to everyone. I want you to look at Mark 1 and 15, and this comes right out of the original translation. Read it with me, please. All the preliminaries have been taken care of, he said, and the rule of God is now accessible to everyone. I know I'm not supposed to be down here, but boy, it's hard to stay up there. When you feel something running out the end of your toes, you know you just got, got to move. The kingdom of God is accessible to you. It's accessible to you, and it's accessible to you. It's accessible to anyone who will dare take hold of it. Say, it's accessible to me. Read on with me. Review your plans for living and base your life on this. Yeah, see, Jesus says, look, listen, Jesus said, look, I'm coming to give you a new way of life. I don't want you to have a mundane, day by day, same old, same old kind of life. I'm going to give you a dynamic life. I'm going to give you a life where you have power over all the powers of hell every demon spirit. I'm going to give you a life. I'm going to give you a power where no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but all who rise up against you shall fall. This is Jesus. That's the first thing he said. Second thing he said about the kingdom is just as powerful. Read it with me. Second thing. See, say it out loud. He taught the message of the kingdom. Jesus used the word church three times, or two times for it. It's only used three times in the New Testament. Ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, the gathering. But when Jesus came in the New Testament, 173 times he talks about the kingdom. So you have to go through and read and say, what was the emphasis of Jesus coming? He said, I've come to confer upon you a kingdom. I've come to give you a kingdom. I've come to give you something you can walk in day and night. I come to give you something you can walk into a room full of demons and you can tread upon serpents and scorpions and you can take authority over all the power of the enemy. You can go visit your son who's addicted to drugs and you can say the kingdom of God has just walked into this place and you can begin to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and you can set people free. So you have to understand what this really means. Everywhere he went, every message that he taught was about the kingdom. Number three. Read with me. He manifested his kingdom presence in a way that could only be explained supernaturally. Every church on the face of the earth should have supernatural manifestation. Is it okay to walk around here? I don't know if y'all do this or not, but you know, I found out a long time ago it's a whole lot easier to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. You know, you just... supernatural we've given up sometimes on sons and daughters that are wayward too quick oh we still pray for them we still write their names on prayer lists but you see at some point we got to get in touch with God what's your name Richard how are you sir it's nice to meet you what's your name Shirley that's my wife's name yeah. Richard and Shirley how long have you been married 39 years that's great. Congratulations. God bless you. I want you to think about this with me. 
when you get up tomorrow morning and you get up a song in your heart and you, and you go to your, to your workplace or whatever it is you do or whoever it is you're going to see and you make up in your mind today I'm going to have a manifestation of the almighty God in my life I'm going to hear God say something to me and then I'm going to say what God says in the New Testament there's this beautiful word it's the word confess and its original meaning it means to say the same thing Jesus said think about that for a moment so like, like the next time you step into one of those situations where some demonic force has come against one of your sons or daughters or come against your marriage or come against your finance or come against your body, next time you step into one of those situations, before you speak negatively, here's what I would ask you to do. I would ask you to say, if Jesus were stepping into this, what would he say? And I would ask you to say the same thing Jesus says. Just speak it in that situation. My mother, some of you would know her, Pauline Scott, she sold chicken dinners to help build the building on McDuffie Street. I was a little boy, and I helped deliver them. Thousands of chicken dinners. I got so sick of chicken dinners, I didn't eat chicken for years. But my mother, for 43 years, didn't take so much as an aspirin. She had a covenant of healing with God. And my sister Joyce, Joyce, where are you? Stand up so they'll see you. My Joyce, my sister Joyce called me one morning, 1967. I'll never forget as long as I live. I was getting ready to go to work for American Home Foods because I was a sales person. And Joyce called me and said, you've got to come quick to mother's. She's bending over double in pain. I jumped in my car and went two or three blocks over, boat drive, 1306 boat drive, got out of the car, walked in. My mother's sitting on the couch, bending over double remember this Joyce and I said mother I'm taking you to the hospital my mother hadn't been to a doctor she hadn't had a physical she hadn't taken medicine in 43 years never made a claim on hospitalization insurance and I said I'm taking you right now she said I'm not going I said mother I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to take you she said if you want to do something you get on your knees right here you and your sister and start praying we got down and started praying. I mean, when you see your mother hurting, tears coming down her face, you pray. The Joyce began to pray in the Spirit. Mother began to pray in the Spirit. I came along third praying in the Spirit. It took me a little time. I just always assumed they were more spiritual than me or something. I Five minutes, my mother straightened up. And she said, it's gone. You guys go on now. Tony, you go on to work. I'm fine. I said, Mother, we need to, we need to go get this check. I, I'm fine. I told you I'm fine. Now go, go on. I've got to vacuum my house. And when I left, she was vacuuming her floors. And, and, and I know a lot of you will look at me and say, well, I, I know those things used to happen. No, 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 they still happen. Because just about three months ago, a couple walked into my church. Actually, he came first. He was the biggest drug dealer in Sandusky, Ohio, for 30 years and never got caught one time. When I was dismissing the service, 
he came down and fell in the altar. I talked to him a few minutes after service. And he told me his story. He said, my wife's walking the streets. She's a drug addict. Been out there for 20 years. But he said, Pastor, I believe God. Five years ago, Jesus delivered me from drugs. I'm no longer a drug dealer. I'm going to bring my wife. I'm going to go find her. I don't know where she is, but I'll find her. And, and two weeks later, he walked into service with her. She started crying when she walked through the door. And she said to him, what's wrong with me? Why am I crying? He said, because you're under conviction. You see, that's what we have to have in our churches. We have to have a spirit of conviction that even when they pull into the driveway, even when they get in front of the church, conviction! Stand with me, please. Pastor, I get so hungry for God sometimes I can hardly live. Oh, God. Oh, God. Because we live in such a time that only a manifestation of the kingdom will pull us out of this mess. And here Jesus is saying to us, I've given to you a kingdom. All the preliminaries have been taken care of. Mr. High-Tech Guy, please put Mark 115 back up, the last one you put up there for me. All the preliminaries, say it out loud, all the preliminaries have been taken care of. And the rule of God is now accessible to everyone. Review your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable new opportunity. Here's what I'd like to ask of you today. How many of you, like deep down inside, there's this hunger that says that old Peggy Lee song, this can't be all there is. This can't be all there is. There's got to be more. Would you walk up here this morning? There's got to be more. 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 This can't be all there is. You read your Bible, you, you study it, you pray, you pray in the Spirit. And you're saying, there's got to be more. There, there's something inside of you that says, there's got to be more than this. There's some of you this morning, let me just kind of boil this down really quickly. Like some of you this morning, there was a time when you wanted more, but you've kind of gotten comfortable where you are, you see. And you're okay. But listen to me. Are you in a spiritual condition today, right now, this moment, this Sunday morning, that if you got word that your health was facing a major challenge and you might not make it, could you say at this moment, I have enough God to get me through it? See, that's what this is really all about. I have enough God to get me through it. In essence, you, you see, we don't use the word backslider much more in the church, but, but you see, a lot of people backslide slowly. You don't backslide overnight. You slowly drift. And, and maybe you slowly drifted away. You, you, at one time, you were hot for God. You were on fire. But something is missing. Would you come and stand here with us this morning? 
let me have a prayer with you of a manifestation of the Almighty God, the kingdom of God. Would you just step out from wherever you are in the next minute or so and walk up here and say, I want more. I don't have enough. I'm not sure I can weather a crisis with the spiritual condition I'm in right now. Would you just, would you just walk down here and just stand here with me for a moment? One of the verses of Scripture, Pastor, come up here with me. I don't know where you are. One of the verses of Scripture that, that really, really just slaps me in the face when I read it. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Paul, the apostle who wrote over half the New Testament, got revelations from God that it was not even lawful for him to speak, was caught up into the third heaven, saw things he couldn't reveal. And when he's coming down to die, what does he say? He's in prison. And he picks up a pen and he writes verse 10. And this is what he says. Look at me and listen to this. That I may know him. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, if he doesn't know him by now, I don't have a, I don't have a chance. I mean, the man's writing letters for God. He's going around laying hands on, on dead people. They're being raised to life. And, and what is he praying? What's his last prayer? Oh, that I may know him. few weeks ago in prayer, the, the Lord impressed upon my heart to share a series of messages with the church entitled, Living Close to God, from that verse of Scripture, and John 17 and 3. This is eternal life, that you know Him, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Know Him. I'm not talking about knowing about Him. So I want us all to pray this, not just those that you have come, but everybody. I want all of us to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to know you. Like Paul wanted to know you, I want to know you. In the full pardon of my sins, in the fullness of your Holy Spirit, I want a manifestation of your kingdom in my life today so that I may go out and show other people what a manifestation of the kingdom looks like by the countenance on my face. Now reach up your hands to heaven and, and, and just tell God, just fill me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Come, Father, and let your fullness flow through my being today. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.